Good day, everyone, and welcome to the Ombre Gaming Podcast, episode 18. I'm one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I have just Steve here. It's just Steve. So it's actually not as always, but I mean, it's I guess technically always. I'm always here, but unlike always, it's just me. Just you. Just the two of us, pal. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. That's right. Uh, how you doing, Steve? It's good to see you. I, it does feel a little bit empty. It feels a little lonely without Matt, but... I know. We don't have the somber, sultry tones of Bailey's own Matt Martinez. Creamy Matt. <laughs> Creamy Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is missed. It's unfortunate. He will be missed. Um, so he passed today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's very much alive. He is just... Um, He's traveling. He's coming back from Vermont. He went on a little rural vacation. So he'll be back with us next week. But in the meantime, it's just the two of us, bud. We'll have to try to talk about games without him. I don't know if we can carry on. But, you know, that's why that's why they pay us the big bucks. Because that's rain, true. shine, mat, no mat, mo mat, all the mats, we still soldier on. Uh, so for today's episode, folks, we have, as always, a lot of exciting things to talk about. We're going to play a little game in the beginning of the show called What If, where we present some what-if scenarios in and around the gaming world. And then in the second half of the show, we will cover patch notes, where we will update you with the gaming news that broke since last we spoke, and we'll close it out with some community stuff. But before we get to any of that, let's keep the house. First up on housekeeping, as always, follow us on social media. We are at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter and at Ombra gaming on instagram in a similar vein we do have a discord i talk about it a lot because it's great a lot of fun folks talking about games all day into the night very fun community you can actually find the discord invite link on our twitter bio so find us there join our community have some fun and uh, meet some good folks next up on housekeeping hang out with us on twitch so again we stream almost every single day of the week we're streaming on pc ps4 Xbox One sometimes if Christine feels like it. Uh, and sometimes we just do community stuff. Um, every Sunday night we do have a community game night where we're playing Cards Against Humanity online or we're doing user words or one of the Jackbox games. It's a great old time. Sometimes we'll even do Overwatch. So if that sounds like your bag of chips, grab a bag of chips and play some games with us. We have many flavors of chips. All styles of chips. So if you like chips and you like games... Check us out at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming. Moving on, next up for Keeping the House. As always, folks, this episode is brought to you by Insert Coin Clothing. If you want to look good and game great, I'm going to stick with that one now. Because before I was saying, if you want to if you want to look good while you play games and let people know that you play games, like it was too wordy. <laughs> there was too much going on. So I'm just going to stick with this one. If you want to look good and game great, check out insertcoinclothing.com. They have awesome gamer clothes for all of your gaming occasions. I actually just placed an order with them this weekend, getting Hell a yeah. pretty sweet PlayStation black hoodie. I'm very excited for it. No, oh, you got the black one. I ordered that one as well. I did, so maybe we can be matching matching Ombros uh, at PAX East. Yeah, that would be rad. I would love to match with you. I love their clothing. I have, oh, I have three shirts and a hoodie from them, and my PlayStation socks are almost here. I'm really excited for those. They're going to be great to wear, but they're also going to be great to hold and just to look at and appreciate. So go to insertcoinclothing.com, put some rad gaming clothing in your basket, and when you're checking out, use the code OMBRA18IC for an exclusive 15% off deal. And that deal does not apply to bundled items or items that are already on sale. 
So get yourself some rad gaming clothes from Intercoin Clothing. And again, thank you to the rad folks across the pond. They're based in the UK. Govna. Next up on housekeeping, we have a phone number that you can call and share your thoughts. So give us a call at the following number, 347-509-5620. Leave us a message, and that message might even be featured on the podcast or in an article. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to react to whatever you got to say, unless you're racist. Uh, we do have a voicemail we want to cover for this episode, but we will talk about that in the second half of the show. So again, folks, that number is 347 509 Last up on housekeeping, ladies and gentlemen, if you are as enthused about the release of Far Cry 5 as Steve and I are, then we have a little treat for you. So on March 30th, which is the Friday of the same week that Far Cry 5 comes out, Steve and I will be doing a nice long stream over at twitch.tv slash ombra underscore gaming where we will be streaming our co-op adventures in Far Cry 5. And on top of that, we're going to do a little bit of a raffle. So check that stream out, mark it on your calendars, and this raffle might win you a copy of Far Cry 5 on the platform of your choice. Doesn't that sound good? I'm just excited for Far Cry 5. I'm hoping that my Monster Hunter addiction will cool down like two weeks before Far Cry 5 comes out. And then in those two weeks, I can do Shadow of the Colossus, banging out real quick, and just dive right into Far Cry 5. I got sidetracked uh, with Mario, but um, I really don't have a go-to game on a PS4 right now. I dabbled with Wolfenstein a little bit, but I haven't had enough time to like sit down and like really get into it. I feel like Wolfenstein is good for those little little bites, those like two, three-hour bites, whereas like Far Cry 5, you can just get lost in. Yeah, you know? see, I don't have a game like that right now. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Little bummed it got delayed, but what are you gonna do? You know? What are you gonna do? And they came out, they were in front of it and they told us ahead of time, I'm cool with it, man. Yubi's done some great shit lately. So that's all I got for housekeeping. Ladies and gentlemen, let's start the show. So like I said, we're gonna play a little game called What If, where we present some what if scenarios around the gaming world. And we just have a little brief discussion uh, about what could have been if certain things turned out a little bit differently than they actually did. Which I think is kind of cool. Uh, I think, you know, we can talk about the things that have happened and react to the things that have happened, but I find it really fun to speculate about things that have not happened. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a big fan of that. So let's go ahead and get it started. Steve, would you like to go first? All right. This one actually sprung up because I was watching Colin Moriarty, his YouTube series when he has on, obviously, his Colin's Last Stand, but his little podcast specialty side quest, which is heavily involved with just video games. And he brought up a great point where he is of the belief that Sony is going to announce PS5. So I say, what if Sony does announce PS5 this year? Kind of what are the, some of the things that they can learn from PS4? Because it was a raging success and it's still ongoing. There's a lot of things happening. Just look at this year alone with everything that's coming out for PS4. So it's hard to even think of talking about another console when this one is still firmly in the prime of its lifetime. It's been five years to the day since it was announced the ps4 obviously it came out in november of 2013 but five years ago to the day it was announced obviously when people listen to this it'll be five years and a week and, a, and eight days and eight days <laughs> but with a ps5 some of the things that you can expect them to kind of learn from this generation and one of the things that colin brought up and i think it's a, a great idea and i think it needs to come through although i'm worried it won't because of the PlayStation Now service with how Xbox figured out how to get Xbox 360 games compatible with Xbox One 
after the yep. system was already launched. So clearly it's not a hard thing to post update everyone's system to be able to do right. this. So you have to wonder, is this something Sony would think of? Because with the PS4 Pro out there right now, what really would be the incentive for somebody to drop another $400 for a new system? Because right. I, I'm thinking the $400 price point is somewhere where they're going to want to stay. Uh, they saw how bad it went for Microsoft when they went e- up just even $100. So I yeah. don't think Sony would want to deviate too far from that $400 price point, even with a PS5. But do you think that's something that they'd be willing to do is, you know, let's make it backwards compatible because then they basically lose PlayStation Now. What's really the point of playing PlayStation Now or subscribing to that service if now you can just play all your old PS3 games on the PS5 or all your PS4 games on the PS5? Yeah, I honestly don't see that happening. And And I think because if we look at the things that made the PS4 and especially the PS4 Pro successful like if we think about the motivating factors to drop cash for the ps4 pro for example which like you did right so the things you look at are increased storage increased processing power uh you know better frame rate better resolution 4k was huge right 4k so it's like the experience stuff right and i think those are like forward looking things and i think those are the things especially now i feel like 4k gaming you know in the i'm doing this in air quotes console war has has it, there's been this massive surge of people wanting f- the 4k gaming experience and i think that's like a forward thinking thing that's mm-hmm. like a we're only going to get better from here in whatever ways we can and so i think making it reverse compatible the you know not announced yet ps5 i think that will be a that that's going to be like playstation being like you want to talk about forward looking look at this shit that we have developed look at this hardware yeah. looking at its processing power i don't think they're going to be saying look at all the experiences you can rehab from old old hardware on this new machine because that's what like you said that's what ps now is it is it is a little different because like ps now is kind of weird where there's like waiting times and stuff i don't know it's, right right I, I tried it because i was interested in trying to play some ps3 games and especially when i started streaming i looked into it because i thought all right this could be my chance to stream some ps3 games and it really just didn't appeal to me. And so one of the points Colin brought up was, what if it's even something as simple where just putting in, say, the PS3 disc or the PS4 disc, it just initiated you to be able to download that game onto your system. So it's not playing the disc, it's just giving you the chance to download it so you don't have to repurchase the game. I know that doesn't make any business sense because obviously they'd be losing, they'd, they'd be losing the money that they'd make from people rebuying those games. However... It could be a huge fan service that would keep them around. Because you know Microsoft's mm-hmm. not just going to sit pat with how Xbox One went. It was terrible. Yeah, yeah. So you know they're going to probably focus a ton of effort on that next gen. So they're going to come out strong. So I think those little fan service things could do a lot in, um, in kind of bridging that gap just in case maybe Microsoft right. does make a more powerful system or something along those lines. Yeah. I also think, and and I could be totally off here, but I also feel like the nostalgia effect is most capitalized in remastered games. And I feel like there's been sort of a resurgence of big AAA titles being remastered. I mean, we look yeah. at Dark Souls 1 being remastered across all platforms in May. We look at like Spyro's coming back. We look at, um, like they just announced, I think today or maybe late yesterday that Burnout yep. is going to be a remastered Shadow of the Colossus. And so I think another reason I think PlayStation might not be super into the reverse compatibility thing is because then they can keep those, they can keep the chips in the bag of remasters and 
you know, digital re-releases. And so I think like, I don't know, I, I think it would be interesting. I think it would create like a, a, a stronger sense of brand loyalty to PlayStation being like, holy shit, I can play fucking Snake Eater on my PlayStation 5 or whatever. Like yeah. that would be great, right? And I think that'd be, that would make me and you be like, fuck yeah, PlayStation. I'm, if I wasn't sold on your brand already, I'm fucking in, right? But I think they're they're trying to capitalize on the, again, forward-looking, forward-thinking um, hardware momentum. So I don't know. I would if if they announced tomorrow morning that there was going to be a PS5 in in 2019, I'd start saving my money today. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, I I feel like 2019 is early. I I can see a 2020, but I still feel like 2019 is a little early. There are two other points he brought up where he he thinks that Death Stranding and Bo- and Ghost of Tsushima could both be PS5 titles. PS5, yeah. Now they're both announced for PS4, so I know me and you were talking last night and you brought up a good point where maybe they'll be launch titles for PS5 but also have PS4 versions and obviously the PS5 right. versions are just be the better um, the better versions, which yeah, I could see that happening because um, I'm sure there are game studios already developing games for ps5 i'm sure they're oh there's gotta you know, be they're not they're not just standing pat saying well right. you know if we're gonna launch the system we're not gonna launch any games yeah uh, but i hope if and when it gets announced i hope they do the the things that they did right i hope they keep that up like i hope they keep keep the good relationship with indie, indie developers mm-hmm. ps library has uh an immense collection of indie games um which gives a lot of developers a chance for a platform that they don't always have a have an opportunity to broadcast themselves on and then I hope they keep up this third-party connection because, like, Activision, the things they have with, like, Call of Duty and Destiny, that's huge. It does a ton of work for keeping other people who are just, like, into those third-party titles staying on that system. And exclusives. I think keep doing the exclusive thing because PlayStation fucking crushed it with exclusives. I also, so if we look at the PS3, you know, it was released in 2006, so that makes it between the PS3 and the PS4 eight years so the original playstation came out in 94 playstation 2 comes out in 2000 so that's six years and then another six years between playstation 2 and playstation 3 you get the little bit of the gap because of the recession between ps3 and ps4 so five to six years it's reasonable to see ps5 will come out but that's why i think it'll be more towards 2020 I guess that would technically put it at seven years, depending on when it, I imagine we'll get a November release. They tend to get late releases for new systems. It does suck because there's a lot of great things with the PS4 right now. And like right. just this year alone, all these games coming out, it's almost crazy to think that they probably already have PS5 just about finalized. When you really think about it, like oh, I'm in, sure. in, the, in the grand scheme of things, they're probably just about done and just putting finishing touches, getting it to testing. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it right now. They're calling it the P5 and the S and, play, and PS is going to be the 5. It's going to be called the P5. The P5? Lock it in right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be called the P5. February 20th, 2018. Manny fucking called it P5. That's what it's going to be named. You just wait. That was a good one. That was a really good one. That was a good um, discussion. It's interesting. It's fun because obviously we're the Sony fanboys. Because if Matt was I know, here, this is he nice. would just be like, I don't care about your PlayStation. Yeah, this is this is nice. But then secretly he's like, yeah, I love PlayStation. This I is actually a direct quote from so Matt. Much. He said this to me the other night. He was like, I love PlayStation so much. I only don't buy it to keep yeah. up appearances. I was like, Matt, that's crazy. Just buy it. Like, no one will care. And he's like, no, no, no. I need to, I need to not. You can ask yeah. him about it in our Discord. He'll 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 confirm it. He actually, I don't know if it was like the same night or a different night, but he told me he actually really doesn't like playing on PC. He finds the people who play PC games insufferable. He said that to me. Direct quote. Also, that's crazy. Yeah, and he plays Overwatch with like a lot of people. He plays a lot of League, and he just he does it because 
the fame has gotten to him. It has, you know. I saw him wearing a PS4 shirt the other day. Oh, that sneaky bitch. That sneaky crazy, little man. bitch. So wild. Moving on, folks. Here's our next what if. What if PUBG was never developed? So I think that is, you know, in simple terms, it's like, oh, what if this game wasn't developed? But I think if we sort of zoom out and look at its impact on the games that had been re- that have been released since, and we look at the impact of the sort of battle royale vibe and what how that that's just absolutely become such a big part of especially PC gaming, but in general games as a whole. Like for example, the obvious correlation is Fortnite, right? Like Fortnite was an answer to the success of PUBG. But you know, worth noting that PUBG didn't start the battle royale thing. We look before it. We look at games like H1Z1, for example, which we'll talk about in patch notes but you know they paved the way for for PUBG to make a name for itself but i think it largely you know a bigger picture the question is what if the battle royale craze wasn't a thing because there have been a load of games that have been essentially feeding off the success of that um craze and i say craze not in a bad way i don't mean it's like oh it's just gonna pass it's a passing phase whatever but like a lot of people love that kind of shit yeah. I mean, we look at Metal Gear Survive, which we'll talk about later on as well. But, you know, that is that is capitalizing off of the same, not necessarily the same mechanics in the same way uh, that PUBG is being played, but it's certainly capitalizing off of that sort of genre. So I don't know. I think there would be kind of a hole. And I think about it, like, from my perspective, if, if we didn't even know PUBG was a thing, if we didn't really know, it's kind of hard to think about what if this thing wasn't a thing because we have the context of its... Presence. No, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I can't really envision what would take its place because the the whole concept of kind of scavenging and surviving is huge. Just even looking at games like The Last of Us, which obviously isn't like anything we're talking about, but you still had to scavenge for your materials. Like, you had to craft like all your ammo. Like, you had to find ammo and like everything like that. So when you take all these games where you're actually having to do stuff other than just kill people. It adds that tension of like, oh shit, like, I don't know where these people are. I don't know if there's, you know, somebody in this house already. I don't know if someone's hiding. And that thrill is what sucks gamers in. And knowing that there's another human on the other end is a huge part of it. Exactly. You know, I mean, we you look at games like fucking Minecraft, if you want to call that a game. Some people don't. But you look at an experience like Minecraft where it's like, all right, cool. I'm dropped in this fucking island and I got to build a house by nightfall. Right, so I'm gonna scavenge. I'm gonna look for. I'm gonna punch this tree until I can make an axe. I'm gonna use that wooden axe to hit another tree, and et cetera, et cetera. I think people are really into that. They, the, a sandbox kind of thing. Yeah. And I think PUBG, in a way, came at a perfect moment. It was like a perfect product of the sandbox games, which I think was probably much more. You know, sandbox games in general were much more popular. Like sort of in the aughts, like in the early teens, maybe like 2013 to 2016. I feel like that's when. You know, maybe a little earlier than that, but I feel like that's when sandbox games as a genre was really, really hot. And I feel like PUBG took a little bit of that, and it took a little bit of, F, you know, FPS kind of gameplay, and it took a little bit, you know what I mean? So it was like this perfect product that came at the right moment, and it, and it has impacted so many different things. I mean, it, it's impacted Twitch. There have been massive streamers who have completely made a career out of playing PUBG. The whole thing that PUBG is also kind of getting away with, too, is the fact that they keep saying, like, oh, we're in early access. Like, it's not the full game yet. <laughs> right, right. So they've been in early access for, what, like six months now, seven months? All these little things that are wrong with it, they have an easy way out because they're just like, whatever, we're in early access. We'll fix that. We'll fix that. Don't worry about it. Like, they always have the cheating issues, which they're very good about. There's always articles I see where they're right on top of it, making sure people who are cheating aren't 
aren't sticking with the game. They're getting kicked out, which is which which is exactly what you want to see from a game developer. You want them to right. be active in right. their online community for a game that's entirely online based. Honestly, I can't picture a world without these types of games. And then the little rumor that we heard a couple podcasts ago about how Red Dead Redemption Two is going to try to include this in their online. Giddy up! Yeah, I mean, look at that. Like, if that come if that proves to be true, that is a testament to the behemoth that are games like h1z1 and PUBG and fortnite because if fucking rockstar is paying attention and saying oh we should do that then you know that's a message that's being heard loud and clear could you imagine that rockstar just like you know what we're going to do this a hundred people in the entire red dead map and like the same thing circle shrinks you gotta scavenge go into houses hopefully it just has better shooting mechanics than gta 5 i fucking hate those mechanics see honestly i do like them because i've gotten used to them and they have auto lock like you just lock onto everything that's true that's true cool so uh why don't you go next man what do you got so i actually saw this on instagram sword chomp they have a video game podcast pretty good i, I enjoy listening to those guys i have good chemistry and they posted the idea what if nintendo switch doesn't release like any new games this year like they had zelda and mario mm. last year but what if they don't have any new like first party games like new games in those franchises or just new franchises altogether? what if they only do ports and remakes of old games what is yeah. 2018 going to look like for nintendo switch if they're really not going to try to bring you any new games they're just going to yeah. you know they get the dark souls they got crash bandicoot insane trilogy is supposed to be coming their way this year you know they had doom ported over to it obviously we yep. know about skyrim and we know donkey kong from wii u is coming this year as well yeah haven't heard anything about metroid 4 haven't heard anything about smash brothers metroid 4 is being worked on it, no, yeah we've heard about that but we haven't heard about a release date so we know namco oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. namco bandai is working on metroid yeah but nothing else other than that nothing about smash brothers so far it's just a bunch of like ports and remakes that we have to look forward to yeah i wonder if they would get away with that that's what people are wondering like if microsoft and sony did that like say in 2018 all they were offering was a bunch of remakes and ports what do you think the backlash would be for like sony and microsoft compared to what it's going to be for the switch mostly because i think the switch gets a benefit out of the doubt i think so too they hit it huge last year they became an insanely popular console and they did hit it big with zelda and mario but what if sony and microsoft tried to pull that same stunt yeah see i think i think i look at ps4 gamers versus nintendo gamers for example right i look at sony gamers and nintendo gamers and the difference among many but one of the bigger ones i see is like the nostalgia play and i think the nostalgia is much bigger and a much more important thing for nintendo gamers than it is for sony players than it is for microsoft players because Nintendo had so many first-party titles that, especially for our generation, shaped the way we play, shaped the games we play, shaped the affinities that we have for the games and the culture. And so I think, I don't know, man, do I think Nintendo would get away with it for an entire year? Oh, I don't know. But do I think Sony and Microsoft even have a chance? Absolutely not. Yeah. Right? You know, I look at, you know, like, like Dark Souls being released on Switch is a really good example because I think typically... Dark Souls players are not Nintendo players, and I think typically Nintendo player Nintendo gamers are not Dark Souls players. I don't think there's a lot of overlap. So one of the things I think about is like, are Nintendo gamers suddenly going to start playing Dark Souls, or are Dark Souls players suddenly going to become Nintendo gamers? Right? Yeah. That's a whole different conversation that I can talk about for days. But I do think that there are different the different kind of kinds of gamers, and I think Nintendo gamers are absolutely in love with the nostalgia plays. I don't think, however that love will last a year that's a long time <laughs> see i'm i'm really curious because 
2017 was a banner year for Nintendo. After the yeah. Wii U, they needed to hit it big with the Switch. If they didn't yeah. hit it big with the Switch, then you start wondering, like, oh, are they going to go the way of Sega? But obviously yeah. the Switch is a raging success. It's still selling units like they never really expected. It's funny the conversation that takes place around looking at it as a console or looking at it as a handheld. Yeah, it's really tough because it it's works well as both. I think I, it's both. It has to be both. Yeah, the reason why they can they could get away with it, not Microsoft or Sony, is because of the fact it is a handheld. Because they can now just be like, well, you can now play some of your favorite old games as a handheld. Right. Pick it up and play it wherever you want. And that is a selling right. point for a lot of people. I mean, that's why I bought Skyrim on it, because I was like, hell, I love Skyrim. That's why I'm going to get Dark Souls again. Absolutely. I think I think it'd be like, you look at Nintendo Labo, right? And I think you that forces us to realize... Nintendo is off their fucking rocker, and it's great. Yeah. And they could make a pair of shoes that cooks bagels, and I would buy it, right? Like, they can, they're, they think so far outside the box, and they're unapologetic about it. And so I think the only chance they have to get away with something like this is to call it some fucking goofy Nintendo name, make it a program. And for this program, like, if they, if they Nintendo brand the shit out of it, I bet they could win people over for a year. I think that's the only chance they have. I think really the easiest thing that they could do is just even announce one big game. Like, even just be like, hey, Metroid yeah. 4 is coming out in October. Super Smash. I think if they do that, that'll buy them a ton of... I would just think that would buy them time. Because, yeah. like I said, Zelda and Mario were huge successes. I love Mario. Absolutely love it. Yeah. I think it's just a joy. That's, I mean, that's technically a new, that's a new release. You know what I mean? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, that came out at the end of the year. I mean, Breath of the Wild came out at the beginning of the year. So they spaced out their big releases. They hit it huge with both of them. Both of them are roaring successes. I mean, Game of the Year nods. Zelda won Game of the Year. That buys a bunch of goodwill for them. And the remakes are what they are. This is what would get me through the year. What is it, February? Almost yes. March? Yeah. You release Dark Souls in May. Yep. What comes after May? August? June? June? July? <laughs> July. Uh, Super Smash Brothers coming out in at the end of July, beginning of August. And then you got like one more, maybe some like fucking Pokemon remake at the end of the year. That'll hold me over. If they remake Pokemon Red and Blue, then they they, they win. They're, they're totally okay in my book. Yeah. I would love to replay those games. I, I totally agree, but there's also a shitload of people that love Sun and Moon. Like original 150 for life, us two, but like there's some fucking bozos out there that love everything that comes out under the pokemon banner i will say red and blue i think nintendo knows who's buying the switches i think they know yeah that's true this is the generation that grew up on game boys i think they understand exactly who who they're they're reaching out to we have a little bit more expendable income yeah fuck i would love if they re-released red and blue any yellow just for just round it all out that would be nice well that was a good one i don't know i think 2018 is going to be a really interesting year for Switch, regardless of what they release. I think the spotlight is on them, but at the same time, they're probably just doing ducktail dives into oceans of cash right now, as they should be, because the Switch is fucking great. It's the best. All right, here's my last one. What if cross-platform was standard? Wrap your mind around that one. For all games? For all games. Like, what if... For Well, for all games that are released that, that aren't exclusives, right? Okay. So, like, what if they release Call of Duty Wildlands? Call of Duty Wildlands. Call of Duty Wildlands. <laughs> so they've just they've combined not only are cross platforming necessary, but cross companies. It's by Ubivision. <laughs> Ubivision. <laughs> they make 
The best in Call of Duty Wild yep. Lads Adventures. Yep. And uh, Actisoft has released Mario. <laughs> um, so what if they release Ghost Recon Wildlands, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation 4 all in the same lobbies, all playing in the same servers? Same for Overwatch. Same for all these games, right? Like, what if all of these online multiplayer games are cross-platform all the time? There's not a second thought about it. I will say, if you're playing a first-person shooter, I don't want to be playing against PC people. That's they true. can aim so much quicker than I can. If there was some way to filter out, right? There's like got to be. A, well, filter. I mean, it's your scenario. You can make it whatever the fuck you want. That's true. Okay, <laughs> you can filter. You see all the folks. You can select yes or no. You can toggle if you want to play with PC players or not. Okay. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think because oh, like Sony's the only one who basically is like, nah, fuck that. Yeah. Because they're just. And it's easy too. That's the yeah, thing. It's annoying. Like, it's annoying that they don't do it. Rocket League did it accidentally. Like someone somewhere accidentally hit a button that made Rocket League cross-platform. And then when they notice, they undid it. So it's out there and it's easy to do. I think it, it would end up being a lot more fun because you'd end up interacting with different gaming communities. I really think it would change the landscape of the console race because I think it would, I don't want to say it would get rid of the console race because obviously PC players will be on their pedestal and they say, we have better frame rate and better resolution, better graphics, etc. performance. But I think it would diminish some of the race. Like, I, th- I think there would be a lot more working together. I think there would be a lot more collaboration between companies like Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo, for example. But I, I from the gamer perspective, but from a business perspective and from like the top down console bigwigs perspective i think it would be a completely different world i think there would be they would be forced to work together which i think would be super interesting to see like what kind of releases come out and and how studios are treated by certain platform companies i think it would be be a wild thing i agree so yeah i don't know what if all these things man what if all of these things happened i think um (laughs) some of these uh, (laughs) i don't think they'd make a lot of money if a lot of the things we said were to happen happened a lot of these companies would be losing money because a lot of them are just like Yeah. yeah just don't charge us for a lot of shit man <laughs> yeah yeah no but what if reality, i play like, this game with people from all over the world across all platforms well because like, i actually why would think, we do that i think the cross-platform thing just makes it so whatever system you're comfortable on you can still enjoy games with your friends you don't have to go out and shell out all the money for whatever right. you want we could be playing gta with bisbo right now we could because he refuses to get it for the ps4 like a jabroni well folks that is it for what if let us know what what-if scenarios you find yourself thinking about. Give us a call, tweet at us, send us an email. However you choose to communicate, let us know what you think. We would love to chat with you. So with that, folks, time for some patch notes. Patch notes 2.20.18. I'm going to kick it off. A little game called Metal Gear Survive was released today, and uh, I feel like almost expectedly it was kind of a dumpster fire. Uh, so this is from Games Radar. I'm going to read a couple excerpts from here. Metal Gear Survive currently has a problem with its 1.01 slash 1.02 update. That means it doesn't work for some people. Metal Gear Survive's <laughs> transa- microtransactions are live, and the game seems to be working in some territory, so it's unclear why some people can't play. Survive technically isn't out in Europe until February 22nd, although both UK and US gamers currently have the, quote, can't play message. The problem seems to affect PS4 displaying a certain window when you try to play. Uh, If you try to update it, the PS4 says the game is up to date and no further updates are available, but the game simply hangs on that screen. Despite everything appearing to download and be ready to play, it also apparently re-downloads itself in the background, but still, the game hangs on the error message. So check that out. This is basically like Sony's like, nah, man, you don't want to play this game. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I was I was hoping to have some patch notes about the either success or failure or the sa- or some kind of sales numbers of Metal Gear Survive. But it seems like the reigning theme of the day with Metal Gear Survive is we tell you how much people are buying this game. We tell you how much they like it, but we can't do that because they haven't played it yet. So it's, uh, as of today, it's, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday. There's some talk that it won't be playable until Thursday. So I did watch quite a bit of Metal Gear Survive streams today, and I do think there could be a market out there, mostly because it just completely takes the Fox engine and the gameplay mechanics from Metal Gear Solid Five, and the mechanics in that game are fantastic. I think you shouldn't have the Metal Gear name attached to it. I, I don't like. I really think that does it more harm because now, because it's named Metal Gear, what's going to happen is. Anybody who's going to look at it is going to compare it to every other Metal Gear game when it has nothing right. to do with any of that. You should have just named it Survive. Just Survive. I also think like it's an interesting debate. Are people's loyalties to Kojima greater than their loyalties to good games? Us as Metal Gear fanboys are like, fuck this game. Fuck Konami. I'm not giving this company a dime. But at the same time, good games are good games. And I would like a good game if it's a good game. That being said, I will I will stand by the fact that I will not buy Metal Gear Survive. I'm not going to give it a chance because that's just the kind of guy I am. But it could be a good game. I will never know. I think it could be fun. Like It wasn't too fun to watch on a stream because it is mostly like resource gathering. You have to gather a bunch of resources. You do missions. From what I was reading from a lot of the people who were chatting in, it sounds like some of them were playing or had already played multiple hours today. Yeah. And they were saying that what the guy on the stream was doing was kind of irrelevant. Like, he was just going around picking up just minuscule amounts of resources. And he basically said, <laughs> right. yeah, he just says, the amount of resources you get for missions are usually enough to sustain you. So, like, what he's doing is kind of excessive. But it yeah. does look like it's something that if you like that kind of stuff, like, if you like running around in an open world, like, doing little missions and, like, just gathering resources, building a base... I do think there could be people who'd be interested in playing this game and have a good time for with sure. it. Um, for the, sure. The and co-op like you mode said, is like a, a, a tower defense mode. Yep. They don't really... Like a base, base defense kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's basically like Fortnite's uh, tower defender yep. mode. And, and and again, it's in the Fox engine. It's gonna It'll look beautiful. It'll look yeah. great. It'll look just like Phantom Pain did. But again, it, yeah, it just depends what you're looking for. Yeah. I think if you, have, if you have expectations of it being a Metal Gear game, you're going to be disappointed. Yep. If you have expectations <laughs> of it being a new thing... With the Fox engine, with some kind of semblance to the themes of Phantom Pain and Metal Gear, maybe this game might you know might hit a sweet spot for you. Yeah, I'll give them one piece of credit. They only charge forty for it. I know. Good I on saw them. that. And Good I on was them like, to not right, charge right. a full sixty because let's be real, it's not yep. a full game. I just think that they made a huge mistake by naming it Metal Gear. They should have distanced themselves from that. They could have kept the Fox engine. That's fine. Just be like on the same engine as Metal Gear Solid Five. That's all you need right. to say. Get a different title. Yeah. So. I don't know. Hopefully they get their patch software update shit together, but I guess we'll wait until Thursday and see what plays out. What do you got for us? What's next on Patch Notes? Spyro Trilogy Remaster coming to PS4 this year. So this is from Kotaku by Laura Kate Dale. According to multiple sources familiar with the project, Activision is currently working on a Spyro the Dragon Trilogy Remaster, which will be announced in March 2018 and released in Q3 2018. The Trilogy Remaster will, much like the highly successful Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, feature new assets, lighting, animations, and cinematics, as well as a remastered soundtrack, 
It'll also feature updates to the save feature, much like occurred in the Crash Remaster. The remaster will include Spyro the Dragon, Ripto's Rage, and Year of the Dragon, and there is the tantalizing promise of some content cut from the original releases of those games. So it's made actually by the same people who made Crash Bandicoot, Vicarious Visions. That remaster is fantastic. They did everything that they should have done. They kept the challenges as difficult as they used to be. They touched up the gameplay. They touched up the visuals. The save feature was fantastic because Crash Bandicoot used to have a password feature, which is bananas. So now Spyro will get the update as well. I'm excited for this because it's actually following the same thing that Crash Bandicoot did where for the first year of its release, it's tied to PS4. But after that, it has the ability to go to other consoles. So I imagine we'll probably see Spyro on the Switch as well. I think it's fantastic, though. Were you a big, were you a Spyro guy growing so, up? So, with Spyro and Crash Bandicoot, the reason why I'm interested, why I like the Insane Trilogy and why I'm interested in this is because I played those games when I was like 8 to 10 years old. So, yeah, I played yeah. them a bunch, but I don't have a ton of memories on it because it was so long ago. So now, I get the chance to actually play those games again in a much better presentation. Um, I like Spyro because it's almost very similar to Mario in the sense where it's kind of that open world platformer. So you Mm kind of go, you explore things and you, you know, you find all the little treats that you need. And Spyro is a good character. Like him and Crash Bandicoot were basically the mascots of PlayStation for the early days. Remember that commercial? There's this old commercial for, I think the PlayStation two. Yeah. I think it was a PlayStation two where Crash Bandicoot goes outside the, what is set up to be the Nintendo headquarters with the megaphone. Yep. And he's like talking shit to the, quote little plumber man it's pretty good i was back in the heyday of video game commercials that was the good stuff nice well i know a lot of people are really looking forward to quote unleashing the dragon as one tim gettys would say did you ever play spyro i was never really into spyro a close friend of mine when i was a kid i don't know how old it was but a, a close friend of mine had it and so i would go over and i would play with him it never super clicked with me, but I can appreciate it as like a part of PlayStation lore, as, yeah. a, as a part of the history of the of the console. Well, my next and last piece, going back to our little conversation about H1Z1, H1Z1's player base down 91%. So this a is lot. via IGN. Yeah. So, and, and this is interesting because it speaks to the whole theme of Battle Royale games. So again, this is coming from IGN. H1Z1, King of the Hills player base has plummeted 91% since July 2017. H1Z1's Battle Royale mode popularized the genre, but with the release of Player Unknown's Battleground and Fortnite's Battle Royale mode, the title has struggled to retain players. The game's popular King of the Hill mode, available to buy separately alongside Just Survive mode, managed to make the title the third most played game on Steam during its heyday, peaking at 150,000 players with an average of 86,000 people playing per hour. If you look at the Steam charts today, it peaked at 8,523 concurrent players. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's around the low 60s on Steam. So again, this is going back to the theme of Battle Royale games being absolutely massive, and I feel like that genre is just cannibalizing itself. Because you look at games like Fortnite, you look at games like PUBG, and they're just chewing up what came before them on the same console. A lot of it seems to be that those older games like H1Z1 just aren't doing enough to keep players' interest. You make a valid point where it's like, yeah, these new games coming around like PUBG and Fortnite, they are devouring the games of past. Which, I mean, I guess you could make an argument that that happens in every type of genre. However, then you look at games like Rainbow Six Siege, like we talked about, where they just listen. Ubisoft listened. They figured out what right. the players wanted. They kept giving them that. And then you look at Rockstar, GTA Online. 
they listen. They keep giving the players incentive to stay there. Like, there's a reason why GTA Online is going strong, you know, five years after the fact. So H1Z1, from what I've seen just from... Because they, they were talking about that a lot during the uh, Metal Gear Survive stream that I was watching today. They were talking about H1Z1 and those different types of games. And from what I was seeing from a lot of people who played it was just that they just kind of stopped giving people the incentive to continue playing. Yeah, the competition's there, and yeah, these new games have the ability to be better because they've seen your mistakes and they can learn from them. But you as a developer also have the same chance to learn from your own mistakes and yeah. keep improving the game to try to give people a reason to stay with you. I think late 2017 to now, I think it's been sort of this reckoning in this in the industry where developers and studios and publishers they need to listen to the feedback and they need to work towards the user right yeah um and so i think PUBG has done a good job at that i think fortnite has done a good job at that so if h1z1 isn't catching up isn't keeping pace then of course they're going to get shoot up yep but damn those numbers holy shit that's such a drastic decline it's like that's a huge drop yeah Yeah. (laughs) so that's all we got for patch notes where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke before we close it out folks Let's go to the phones. So we got a voicemail from our good friend, Brett. He had a reaction to uh, our episode about movies and games. Why don't we give this message a listen and uh, see what Brett has to say. Hey, Umber Gaming Crew. What's going on? This is Brett. Just calling to chime in on your last podcast's um, feature about the gaming and the movies. And I just got to say right off the bat, Steve nailed it with the, uh, the Last of Us. I think that would make a beautiful, amazing movie. Um, a lot of good points there. Being a sucker for side scrolls, well, a sucker for side scrolls and animated movies, I think that Ori in the Blind Forest would make a pretty killer movie um, if it ended up in the right hands. There's not a lot of room for dialogue, probably, but there's so much beauty and wisdom that could be taken out of a game like that. You know, when I think of some good animators, obviously, um, a lot of people would think Disney, Studio Ghibli. Even, you know, I enjoy some stop motion like Henry Selleck, but I don't think that would quite fit that game. What does come to mind and what I think would really make it a pretty special movie is if it got in the hands of uh, Cartoon Saloon over in Ireland. I think that they could really take that game and make it into just quite an amazing movie. Keep up the good work, guys. And yeah. Thanks for that message, dude. I agree. I think that's a great point about Ori and the Blind Forest, dude. I think that would be a really interesting movie. Um, So for those that are unfamiliar, Ori and the Blind Forest is a side-scrolling game where you kind of play, I think you play like a little particle of light almost, and it's really beautiful it has like a very like magical and sort of like mystical theme to it. I, I watched him play quite a bit of it a while ago, and I remember it being a really interesting a really interesting game and it, and it rated really really well so i think that could be a cool movie like you said depending on if it got in the right hands and of course i mean the last of us we talked about it on that episode too that'd be an amazing movie i'd almost be upset at this point if they didn't make a last of us movie yeah it's right there it's right there for the taking just do it yeah i feel like it's a really good opportunity so yeah man thanks for calling in thanks for supporting the show we appreciate it so with that folks before we end the show time for the community shout out this week on the community shout out our good friend brian christensen it's his birthday today happy birthday buddy brian christensen is a part of sasquatch armada our good friends they stream games uh on twitch.tv slash sasquatch armada i'm gonna spell that one out for you it's a long one so so strap in s-a-s-q-u-a-t-c-h-a-r-m-a-d-a 
So Sasquatch Armada, as you would spell it normally. Uh, he and our other good friend Caleb stream on Twitch. They make some great video content. Um, they ha generally have a great time. They're two hilarious gentlemen. So shout out to Brian, shout out to Caleb, and uh, shout out to Sasquatch Armada. Happy birthday, Brian. Happy birthday. Hope it's a good one. He's turning 30 today, so I guess he's got to like, I don't know, file his taxes or some shit. Well, we all have but, to file uh, our taxes. Nah, man, I've, n I've never done that. I, I don't know. You might get audited I don't know soon. What taxes, I want to watch out for that. Taxes are. And so with that, folks, that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Definitely check us out at obergaming.com for all of our latest podcasts, all of the articles. We have links to our Twitch, Discord, and uh, a Contact Us page as well. So get in touch. We'd love to have you. And as always, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you, and we will talk to you very soon. But they're also going to be great to hold and just to look at and appreciate. You can also make PlayStation sock puppets out of them. That's true. With the, put your hand in them, and then they and their gloves. You don't even need to buy gloves. It's a two-on-one investment. Socks know? and gloves. What do you know? Yeah. Stretch it out enough. It's a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Hey, bro, where'd um, you get that sick beanie? Actually, actually, it's a sock. I'm wearing the other one on my foot. I'm actually wearing the other one on my hand. What are you wearing on your feet? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. I'm wearing my PlayStation hoodie on my feet. I got them at, at goodfeelgoodclothing.net. <laughs> 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 <laughs>